From the Central Adelaide Local Health Network, this is Research Pulse, where we discuss the latest world-class health research from Carlin and how it's contributing to world-class care. Ovarian cancer is known as the silent killer. With symptoms that overlap more common conditions, it's usually not detected until an advanced stage. And when it is diagnosed, resistance to treatment can occur. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and hopefully that may change with work being done in Adelaide to overcome that resistance. Driving it is Dr Melissa Pittman, ovarian cancer researcher at the Centre for Cancer Biology, and she joins us for this Research Pulse podcast. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Drew. Great to be here. Melissa, when we're talking about cancer and its effect on women, most people usually jump to breast cancer when they're thinking about it. You're focusing on ovarian cancer. How did that come about and why the focus? Yeah, well, ovarian cancer is known as the silent killer. And the reason why is because there are not many overt symptoms and patients will often not realise that they have these symptoms until it's quite late stage. So they'll go to their doctor with some symptoms and then discover that they have quite a advanced stage disease where the cancer has gone from the ovaries and migrated to other parts of their abdominal cavity and to maybe other organs. So I see this as a huge problem. And unfortunately, it does not get the press and uh, a lot of the fundraising that other cancers do get for women. And I guess that's part of why I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Melissa, chemotherapy, I understand is the most effective therapy, but there's a problem. Yeah, so I guess we are very reliant on this disease for surgery as the the main way of getting rid of most of the cancer. And and now clinicians and surgeons do an amazing job to try and get as much tumour as possible. But that's then followed up with chemotherapy. And while that works initially for a lot of patients, unfortunately, the rate of people that will stop responding to chemotherapy is really quite large. And so there's a major problem and a major hurdle for treatment is that people develop chemotherapeutic resistance. And this is where your research is really coming to the fore because I understand you're using genetic testing to try and help deal with that? Yeah, so one of the aspects we're working on with my research and I'm carrying this work out with a head of the gynecological oncology at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, who is Professor Martin Ola. And I also get a lot of help from a researcher, Dr. Carmela Riccadelli, who's at the University of Adelaide. They have been amazing and getting patient samples. And together with them, we're really trying to understand what is happening in those patients that are stopping responding to chemotherapy. So we're looking very closely at what changes are being made that then makes those cells stop responding and dying from the treatments. And we think this is really important to identify new targets so that we can get new treatments for those patients that are at those end stage options. Is this a modelling process? One aspect is definitely trying to model that chemotherapeutic resistance in the lab. So one of the things we've been working on is getting cells, growing them in the presence of chemotherapeutics 
and collecting them once they've become resistant and then trying to work backwards to say, well, what has changed? what things are different and how can we exploit those differences so that we can target those cells or at least sensitise them to the treatments they were already undergoing. So can we re-sensitise them? So you're testing which treatments will be effective? Yeah, so I guess one of the things that we are doing is testing the standard chemotherapeutics, carboplatin and paclitaxel. They're these two treatments that are given to patients. They have an array of side effects. And often, yet yeah, the patients become resistant to those treatments. So what we're doing in the lab is trying to work out if we can find new treatments that we could combine with the standard chemotherapies and maybe we may be able to resensitize them to the therapy. Or if we can't resensitize them to these standard agents, are there new things that we can test that then gives them another option uh, for treatment? Now, I understand in the lab you've got a pretty high success rate. That's true. We've been taking, importantly, one other thing we've been doing with these patient samples that we're, we're looking at the chemotherapeutic resistance. We have been taking those and making preclinical models. So an important aspect of what we've been able to do in the last couple of years is to take those patient samples from people who are willing to donate their tumours. And we put those into mice, into these very special strain of mice that allows them to grow human tumours. And what's been remarkable for us is we've, you know, we've only done about four or five of these. And while it's been reported in the literature that there's a, quite a low success rate in getting these tumours growing, we've had a really good success rate. So we've been able to have all five of ours actually grow tumours and we've been able to test those tumours to make sure that they look the same as what we see in patients so that they're keeping the same genetic mutations, they're keeping the same defects from before they went into the mice and then after they come out of the mice, they still have the same defects so that they are really representative of what is happening in a patient. So we've been really thrilled that this success rate has been so high and we've been very busy validating the models further to make sure that they are all ready to go for our drug treatments and testing in the mouse models. So that leads me to my next question. It sounds like you're validating the process in the lab. So where to from here? So with these really important models, what we can now do is test out these treatments that we've identified with our cell-based models and then test them in these really important preclinical mouse models. Now, the reason why the mouse models are so important is because growing a cell in a tissue, in a dish in the lab is very different from it being within the whole organism with all the different signals it's getting from its normal cells and all those other organs within the initial peritoneal cavity or the IP cavity, the abdominal cavity for most people. And so with all of that, we really need to prove that a treatment works in that type of setting to then be able to have enough confidence to say to a clinician, right, we need to put this into people. So yeah, there's a long road from testing it in cells to getting it into a patient. And there's a lot of checks and balances that need to be done, obviously for safety. And so yeah, we are just really glad we've got these important models now that we can use to properly test the new therapeutic interventions. Any idea how long that road might be? Well, I guess depends on which therapeutic option we go with. At the moment, we've got a whole bunch of candidate proteins we've identified or markers that we've identified from studying these chemotherapeutic resistant cells. 
We've probably got about five to 10, which is a lot, and we need to really narrow that down. But the thing that I think is great about the models is that we can work with other collaborators and they may be further along the road than us. So we see these as a resource that we could work with other people and test therapeutics. We hope there are other researchers in Adelaide and beyond who would might want to come and use these models for their testing of their treatments. We just want to try and help patients as soon as possible. So while we're working away in the background on our targets of interest, we're very open to like helping others test out theirs. You mentioned patients there, and that's the ultimate objective there. So what would be the impact for patients? One of the, the major things is obviously their survival, because when they become chemotherapeutic resistant, they are given a series of different chemotherapies to just try to find another one that may respond. This is obviously a very difficult process for the patients. There's a lot of unknowns. But also they have these horrific side effects from chemotherapy. We've probably all heard about them. People respond different ways. There might be gastrointestinal issues and obviously hair loss and other quality of life impacts from the treatments. So I guess my, my main push and my main hope is that, one, we can help impact survival by studying these chemotherapeutic markers and hopefully new treatments second thing is we may be able to use that information to reduce the impact of the side effects. I guess my biggest hope is that we find something much more targeted than that standard chemotherapy, which hits the cancer cells, but it also really impacts the normal cells in our body. So trying to find something that we think is going to hit mainly the tumour cells is going to be a huge help and will really help those patients get through the process and and hopefully, again, the main aim is impacting their survival. We want them to get through the treatment and live longer, happier lives. Melissa, you speak very passionately about this. Is there a personal motivation behind this research as well? So over the last four years, I've been working really closely with consumer advocates. So these are people who are patients who either have already gone through treatment for ovarian cancer or are currently undergoing treatment. And they donate a lot of their time to helping us. So that's either through fundraising or to help us to shape our grant applications so that we discuss with them the things that we want to do in our work and they help us align that as closely as possible with their experience. So this might be timing of treatments, supposed side effects that may be seen in mice as well as human. And these are really, really important for making sure our work is focused and gives that human aspect and and it really drives us to push harder and faster for new treatments. And I just wanted to give a huge thank you to a, a wonderful consumer advocate of mine, Mrs Judy Gent. She has unfortunately recently succumbed to ovarian cancer after Uh, multiple treatments and relapsing just recently. I just want to say a huge thank you to her and her team and her family because they have been instrumental in many of my grant applications and fundraising campaigns for this disease. And I'm honoured to have worked with her and I'm going to miss her immensely. She's been a, a very important consumer advocate for me and just an amazing woman. So she will be greatly missed. Well, Melissa, it sounds like she has been a really important driver for the very important work that you have been doing as well. 
and I'm sorry to hear of the loss, but thank you so much for the work that you are doing and every success for it in the future. For now, though, Dr. Melissa Pittman, ovarian cancer researcher at the Centre for Cancer Biology, thank you so much for joining us for this Research Pulse podcast. Thanks, Drew. It's been really great and hopefully people find it really interesting and feel free for them to contact me further about other information or if they want to use our models. Thank you for listening to Research Pulse. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to contact us, you can find an email address in this episode description. This podcast was developed by the Central Adelaide Local Health Network. We would like to acknowledge the Ghana people and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the land on which this podcast is recorded. As part of the oldest living culture in the world, we draw inspiration from their deep knowledge of traditional foods, medicine and remedies.